Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. Hey, hey everyone, you're listening to the Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone. Justin, good to see you. We've got a, a fun episode ahead of us today. We've got some League of Legends, some F1 preseason testing, uh, and then possibly a little bit of magic at the end there. Um, I'm not sure what Justin has in store for us. It looks like I'm, I'm getting the head nod. Yes. So I'll have some magic talk as well. Uh, but Justin, how's your week been? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm uh, doing pretty well. Good to see you. Good to be here. Um, I'm a little uncomfortable in my chair. I'm going to be rooching around here for a second. But yeah, man, good to see you. Uh, do you want to get right into the Rose Thorn and see where do you want to start here? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, so uh, if you don't mind, I'll get myself rolling on that. Go for it. That's what we're here for. Awesome. So this week, uh, my Rose, I've got... Um, Colleen and I going to Nashville this weekend, uh, leaving Friday, coming back on Sunday for a wedding. Uh, so we'll get into Nashville early on Friday and get to explore for the day. Um, it's a city that neither of us have been to, so that'll be kind of cool. Just like checking it out, seeing seeing the sights and seeing what there is. Um, I'm sure lots of good food, lots of good country music and whatnot. So. Uh, I am looking forward to that. Um, for my seed, um, I am making some progress at work with like marketing endeavors and and getting us out there a bit more for um, for leasing and everything to hopefully be able to to bring in a bit more um, traffic and and hopefully rent some more apartments. So that's been nice to be able to to make some progress on that and kind of some of the newer tactics that we're going for with uh with that um my thorn for this week is uh kind of opposite of my i think it was my rose the other week where i was i was very excited about being in this basketball league and kind of having that competitive uh passion and all um but my my thorn with it is it's tough for for a few couple of reasons so like not just Go like not just on the body but um the past couple of weeks i've felt as though i'm like holding the team back to an extent not not like that i'm the only person making mistakes or anything but um i've had some some mistakes that i I really feel like i shouldn't be making and i feel as though this week in particular i feel like if i if i had not made my mistakes that the game we could have won our game instead of ending up losing by a few points and so not that everything like falls on me to be like the the person that but I, I'm very critical of myself and I, I always have been. So like going into this like competitive environment, especially for a team sport, I, mm-hmm. I feel to an extent that whenever I mess up, like I'm letting other people down. Um so that's been kind of frustrating along with one of our teammates is just like 
pretty difficult. Um, he's constantly like yelling at people to do things that he's not doing himself. He's constantly trying to be kind of the, the team leader, the shot caller. But whenever he's doing those things, he's just standing like, like by like not playing basketball. It's like, he can't do both things at the same time. And so this past week, like for, this has gone on for since, for, since the first game of the season, he's kind of taken on this kind of uh player coach type mm-hmm. role where he wants gotcha. to, to, but, but he calls, calls people out on things that really, in my opinion, aren't, mistakes he's telling people to do things that he thinks are right when they're not necessarily and that's that's frustrating to a lot of the teammates for myself like if he yells at me for something it's like in one year and out the other because i know that i know basketball just as well as this kid does okay so i'm like it doesn't bother me but i know it bothers some of our other teammates to the point that this week a couple of them like called him out and like he yelled at them for something and they like yelled back at him and we're like bro like no you're wrong mm-hmm. and he got super super like butthurt and basically at the end of the game to the extent that he kind of like quit on the court like he was he was just standing there he wasn't helping out he wasn't like trying to i mean and it it was a close game we're down one point with a couple minutes left we lost by like five um so it wasn't wasn't out of reach but with him out there he just like wasn't participating really he's he just kind of stopped aside and he's like they don't want me to touch the ball so i'm not gonna do blah 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 it's like oh man and it's like, no, that's not what anyone was saying. Like, everyone was just saying, like, like trying to say, like, you need to do different stuff. Like, you can't just yell at people to do things and then not do anything on like yourself. Like, you're you're just making the rest of your team play four versus five with a with a coach yelling at them. Like it's not, it's not like that. And so he doesn't, he doesn't recognize that he is just being overbearing and like frustrating everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, like when he's talking positive stuff, it's good, but uh, like, it's good to be like communicative and like to be out there and to be like, yeah, like cheering, cheering each other on and everything. Cause that, that gets gets us rolling like we once if we get a couple good plays get some energy and everything then all of a sudden like you can get on a roll and and go on a go on a little run and it's good when he's doing it in those instances but there's so many times where he's like trying to call people out on on their play when it's either not bad play and it's just like shit happens kind of stuff right or or he's yelling at people to do stuff and then just like not actually playing himself he's just like standing so i i've like between my frustration with myself and my frustration with that i'm like trying to debating in my head whether or not i'm i'm gonna at least like take a break from from the league for a season i mean they're like six weeks seven or six seven week seasons so yeah taking a break of a couple months is not like a huge deal, 
but yeah. it's just it's a it's kind of a bummer because I was like super excited about like being out doing something competitive, feeling like I could do this, but now I like and I, I I'm probably being too hard on myself to some extent, but um I I just am very like at the end of the games when I'm looking at it, I see all the different mistakes that I made and like they're just glaring in my mind, it makes it not as fun. Uh, and like, if I'm playing it to, to have a good time and have fun and everything, um, like I, I, yeah, I want to win and I'm not like griping, like about losing or anything like Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of the game. It's just when I'm the person who I feel like led to that more so than other people, it makes me want to like not put myself in a position to like let people down. Sure. So it's a, it's a rough, rougher thorn for me. It's, it's really, and it kind of comes back to a lot of my own, like things with myself about always like being really hard on myself and being extremely like critical uh, Mm -hmm. and all, but um yeah it's just it's been it was it was tough yesterday after the game i was like i i was just immediately like i'm not playing in the next league uh like i'm uh that was my split second decision uh right while i was still all uh like worked up and and annoyed about about the game so like yeah. the uh, I'm never drinking again when you're hungover in the morning. I've never done that. Okay. Actually. I've never I've always um, I, I've said I'm not going to lie to myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and, say, and say I'm never going to drink again when I know that's like unless I like really meant it. Uh, sure. Then at that point. Yeah. But I've never been at that point. So. Well, that's um, good. Well, let me, but before we get to your seed, let me offer some thoughts about your situation here. Being that it's short seasons, I it doesn't seem reasonable that the answer is to not continue playing. And I say that because if you're also concerned, it sounds like you're more concerned about your own personal mistakes and then the the frustrations added from player x just kind of compound on that but it sounds like you're mostly worried about your own play and then i would also argue that not playing is not the right answer to solve being like rusty and having things to work on if anything the thing would be look for a way to like can you get can you get another hour in a week to go and just do fundamentals like literally just work on dribbling and then literally just like work on shooting and one hour is more than zero extra hours right so you're putting a little extra time in and then so you shore up some of those mistakes 
and and then you're not losing because of like, oh man, I shouldn't be doing that thing. It's just like, man, that was a better play. We got kind of schooled here, whatever it is. But the stronger thing would be to put yourself in a more positive scenario. Like I imagine swapping teams as easy as pie. Like you, I'd rather play against that guy than be on his team. So it doesn't sound like not playing basketball is the way to solve the problem. I think you actually need to play more basketball on a different squad. It's, it's tough. Cause I well So the squads like for teams will switch up. This, this guy is just a random guy that got put on to the team okay. with me and, and three of my buddies. So we're, we have four of us that all know each other. And then, uh, the rest of the guys other than him, honestly, I, I like a lot. Like they're, okay, they're cool. good dudes. Like, get along well um so you just need to find one extra man to add to the squad and then you have no problems yeah but we're locked in for this season at least so it's yeah like, whatever but, uh, but it's something i think it's more that like or, or another component of it is like i'm the mistakes i'm making are not like forced by like oh the other guy played better like i'm i play fine in those instances typically like when i'm like mm -hmm. actually being like guarded closely or guys trying to play me tough like for the most part i like handle those situations pretty well and like okay. figure out but it's a lot of like mistakes and like unforced things like i, I last night i missed an open layup but like I got a fast break and I go. like stepped weird and like jammed my knee kind of like, I like locked my leg as I was like going up it dude who was playing defense on me, like yelled behind me. I don't know. Like it kind of caught me off guard. It kind of yeah, like, like you were going to turn me off a little, or it just like threw me off a little bit. But mm -hmm. I mean, either way it was a free, free basket and I just missed it. And it like things like that, or like there were, there were other situations where I just like lost control of my own dribble for mm -hmm. no particular reason. But I like I tried to go and get more practice. I went down to the court like an hour and a half before our game and the courts were just full of like they're running like kids basketball camps on the extra courts. So okay. like I couldn't do anything. I just like ended up having to sit there for an hour and a half watching you, the game before us. Are you like, not allowed to dribble on the sidelines? They don't not, want you doing that? Not really space, and I don't want to be the dickhead who, like, loses the ball and it goes into the game and, like, throws everything off. Like, That's a good I, call. I've seen That's people good doing call. that, and, like, I there were these little... Kid. Well, there were these little, like... Th there were these three, like, little probably five, six-year-old girls that were sprinting around, like the little bleachers that they have there and like mm -hmm. kept going onto the court where the game before us was being played and everything. And their parents are like standing over oblivious, not getting, gotcha. paying any attention. And I just wanted to trip those kids so bad. Like that probably sounds horrible, but like, so mm -hmm. I, they needed to like knock it off and I was getting annoyed for like the referees and the people who are paying to go play basketball there that these little kids keep running into like the way and all but that's neither here nor there like i i'm trying to there's not really many places right now with the weather that i can go and get 
like more playing time during the week. Like I can't go to the court where I play for this league because it's a private gym. Mm. Like they just host the games like one day a week kind of thing. So that's, that's the one of the difficulties I've run into because I would like to practice more and get more time. And even if it is just an hour here, hour there. Right. um, But, but yeah, I feel like I'm not able to get the practice, like clean up stuff. And like, then I'm just running into these frustrating situations where I'm like, I'm making mistakes that I know I shouldn't because I'm like, I, I know I'm better than that. And whether it's being rusty or like, whatever it is, it's, it's just frustrating. And I don't want to put myself in a place where I'm like, just being like pissed off at the end of my Tuesday nights and like, especially pissed off at myself and like feeling like I'm letting down a group of seven other guys. So uh, it's, it's been, it's been a little, little tough the past couple of weeks. I just, I don't know. I mean, there's still still a few games left this season, so we'll see how the rest goes. But I'm just not uh, not sold yet on uh, going right into the next season and everything with these kind of lingering feelings of and and frustrations with my my play and all. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Um... But it sounded as though it was something you were really keen on, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I love basketball. I love playing, but it's uh, maybe it's just not the right time for it. I don't know if it's worth like the other stuff. It's kind of a, a pros cons list of like is is playing and getting out there and and all of that and like my enjoyment of the game of basketball worth the like tough moments that I'm like getting real frustrated. And I know it's like rec league basketball. And I've talked about like people taking it too seriously and all. And so I like, I feel like I'm taking it too seriously, but not in the same way. Like other people take it too seriously and are like yelling at refs and like getting aggressive with other people on the basketball court. I'm just like, mad at myself right so i don't know if it's the same thing essentially just directed differently but uh but yeah that's that's my thorn my my seed was the uh the progress with work with the marketing and everything so so i've gotten i've hit all my my points but uh but we can move past my my gripes with basketball and and hear about how your week's been well I do appreciate that. We can we can move on quick. I just I just closing thoughts. I um I just hope to hear soon sooner rather than later that you're getting back to basketball because that's how I would feel playing pool. But overall, I think um, with just like a little bit of shoring up, I think a lot of those feelings go away. Then you can say like, oh yeah, I did mess up there, but I think I could work on that. Oh, that was just a good move. Oh, we lost fair and square or whatever it was. And not just like, oh, I just keep kicking the ball away while I'm dribbling. Like that's no fun. Right. I, 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 I do hear what you're saying. Um, but yeah, so my week was pretty cool. So I'll start with my, I'll start with my thorn and, 
It's an interesting one because it kind of has to do with the pod, but I'm feeling time getting short. There was like this interesting feeling at the end of the last F1 season where we were like, oh no, like I don't want it to end. Like, oh man, it's going to be such a long wait. But there were some things that I was able to do over the winter break and there was... um Maybe it was a uh, maybe it was actually a nice little 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 bit of time off because now there's uh, I've got a couple of questions coming in and I'm looking at the F1 calendar I'm looking at the League of Legends calendar I'm looking at some other tournaments coming up and it's like oh man we are just we are just like back in full swing now we've got the we've got the first race coming up here shortly um, so my thorn is like uh, kind of a, a silver lining overall is like yeah we're gonna have a lot a lot going on soon enough um, and so with that I would talk about my seed I was able to what would you say I was with some of my gripes I was able to help a friend out where we got to talking and it turned out he had a bunch of similar feelings as I had he had some similar interactions with people and uh we were just able to kind of connect on that and reconnect in a lot of ways and it was like a short sweet conversation but it was one where uh we found ourselves like yes yes and and fuck him and fuck that and fuck this too yes 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 um so it was uh it was it was very cathartic so that was fun that was my seed i think being able to reconnect and help a friend out with uh some of my ranting but um well we, i think we ended up commiserating go ahead yeah i think that's a good thing when you're able to like um like kind of solidify that like you're not uh, with the things like that, one. oh yeah, with things yes. like that, it's tough. Like you don't want to be like, so good. feel like I'm, I'm crazy. Like everyone likes this person, and I just like can't stand them. I can't mm-hmm. like being around them. Like having someone who's like, especially when they like mention specific things, and you can tell that they're not just like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm just like agreeing to agree kind of right, thing. Right, they're like. They're like, oh yeah, that motherfucker did this to me too. That's mm-hmm. that same shit. <laughs> and right. you can, yeah, like it's. I, I sometimes feel bad. Like I don't, I don't always like uh, shit talking someone. But when there's someone who's like really bothering you, and you you get to have that moment, cathartic is like a, a good term for it because that uh, that is like refreshing to kind of mm-hmm. be like, okay, like. Yeah, I'm not I'm not wrong here. <laughs> or at least you have one other person in the echo chamber that can agree and make you feel good. Yeah. Which is which is fair enough. And and that's what it felt like. But yeah, so that was my C. That was pretty fun. Uh but my rose here for the week. Uh another uh, another friend, uh Kyle Montando, producer of the show, helped out with some of the audio equipment. So shout out to Kyle Montando. Nice. Um but yeah, he uh you know, we were able to spend some time together, had a maybe a couple too many cups of coffee, but we just we couldn't stop yakking and we were howling and laughing. Um late into the night so that was really fun um so yeah that was my short sweet rose thorn and seed here now where do you want to start here for the show do you want to get into some league of legends here because we definitely had a lot of it well i thought we could just run through the f1 stuff that we have real quick because i had a, ah, a few a different notes that i okay. wanted to to bring up so wait on me 
Uh, first off, Mr. Michael Massey is bye bye. So, no, Michael. No, <laughs> no, Michael. So, uh, and and along with it, the FIA to team radio is going to be gone from the broadcast after one one short season, which I think is for the best. I and agree. I hope that that is not just from the broadcast, but it, that it's actually in general, like that the teams cannot have as um, accessible communication to whoever the FIA director is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of put, uh, unfortunately, I, I, not that I think Michael Massey is, is like, he had his mistakes, he had his flaws, but I think that he got pressured by the teams a lot and like didn't handle that well. Like you kind of have to have a little bit of a fuck you attitude towards mm-hmm. the teams to some extent um, to just be able to, to make the decisions that you think are like the, the best ones and to let the stewards do their job instead of getting all this input from people who are f- uh, like a million, million percent biased towards their own interests. Um, I, I, don't think that that particularly helped with um situations when the when people were already disagreeing with uh some of the fia decisions throughout the season let alone at the end so uh so yeah what what are your thoughts on the the fia to team radios being gone well, first of all, I'm happy. Not that like I had any gripes with Michael Massey, but there's something about like there's something uh it seems shiny that they you know that they got rid of him and got somebody new in. Just and and I use shiny in the sense of like it seems like a good idea. I don't know a whole lot about it, but overall, like you were saying, it does there were feelings of like wishy-washiness over the course of the season with him, with them having direct access to him, especially late in the season, as we all know. And so, yeah, I'm happy that like there was some kind of concrete, like, all right, this really shitty thing happened at, at least, at least somebody lost their job. I honestly like that. I think he kind of, yeah. And I think he kind of got scapegoated a little bit. It's like, he's the face. but Somebody has got to No, exactly. And if you're going to be the face of like the FIA and when bad things happen, like you also have to, to take the brunt of that. Um, so it, it completely makes sense, but it's not, um, to comment on the, uh like on the on the radio not going i think it's i think it's hopefully a two steps backwards to then take one step forward eventually where maybe there's a way and i am uh, i think i think that the the one of the big keys is that they're they should be very selective about what they put on the broadcast, in my opinion. Like, it, even if, because I'm assuming teams will have to some extent access to the stewards' booth because they have to be able to 
call out certain things from what they see on there and like be able to like there there has to be some ability to communicate but the direct access to michael massey is is like something that i think needs needed to change um but in general i i think that there are plenty of times where the broadcast doesn't show radio messages till like a minute afterwards and everything and they're they're like slightly delayed um i think that doing something like that with those radios if they're going to have them to be able to like actually like think about it before they put it up on the broadcast where they can be like okay is this going to benefit anyone by having this this radio message between the stewards and X team principal uh, on the broadcast, or is this just going to stir the pot and cause like cause some sort of frustration and everything? Like, right. wh- like I, I think there has to be a balance of like what, like, is this beneficial or not, and and then kind of decide to put it up at that point or not. There are there is the question of limited tools for narrative, and that's an issue, it seems, for the broadcast. So it's unfortunate that we had such dire consequences for that tool because it was really interesting. It, it was. was really interesting to hear that stuff. It just like it just went wrong in the most important moments, right? Yeah. And that, like, well, that's, that's why super I think unfortunate like, being more selective with what you're right because that because there are there were a hundred percent moments where it was really interesting where you uh, like situations where um, I mean you hear, hear Christian Horner come on and talk to to Michael Massey at multiple points throughout the season, and some points he's very adamant that we did nothing wrong. Max did nothing wrong. This is like bullshit. That Mm -hmm. kind of, that kind of fire. And other times where they're like, Hey, this is what we think happened. And like, it's kind of like a a nudge, nudge, like, no, no, we, we didn't do anything wrong, but like also almost an admission based on how like not adamant or in adamant, whatever the, opposite of adamant is uh (laughs) that they are in the right um they're like more hesitant about yeah like uh, about how they're they're saying things Mm -hmm. which makes it be like okay maybe they know that they like did kind of fuck up so um so it did add to it did add to the broadcast for the ability to see those different kind of uh components of it and everything um so it it was an interesting aspect, but but maybe the interesting element of it was only that it increased the drama and pageantry. Like maybe a Christian Horner as a team principal wouldn't feel the need to get on the radio and go talk to Michael Massey if like there's there's an extra level of him being able to see that as a like a like a politic power play where he's like oh I can 
I can wave my dick out on, you know, Sky Sports, Sky Sports Network and show everybody how much I can bare my teeth. Right. Because he knows certain messages are going to be, you know, on the broadcast and whatever. And teams can can be selective about tone and this and that when it's like when it's all being hyper scrutinized for millions of dollars. Eh, they're gonna take advantage of stuff like this. So overall, I think it's probably better to not have it until there's, like you're saying, a better way to filter it or present them after the fact, after we've like, you know, after they go through everything and implications aren't, um, or consequences aren't incurred because of weird radio messages back and forth and um you know who said what yeah definitely Mm -hmm. um so i that was interesting um the other thing that i saw over the past week that i thought i wanted to hear your input on so Mm -hmm. the um during some of these conversations in like i guess bar uh barcelona and at the preseason testing and all Mm -hmm. um there were some conversations uh, about, and I think this was also with the meeting of the FIA with the team principals and all, mm-hmm. but the unlapping procedure, um, Sebastian Vettel calls had called for, and this is from Will Buxton's um, Twitter, but he said that Vettel has called for a review of the unlapping procedure for years He has argued it should be possible to simply let lapped cars drop to the back of the field. That has always seemed the simplest and neatest solution to me too. Um, And I wanted to hear your thoughts because the, the only thing that comes into play with that, I guess uh, in it to some extent is those drivers are now doing one last one less lap. So they have more fuel. So they're going to be able to potentially use more fuel on certain laps. But I also think they're position 20 though. Yeah. Like who the like, fuck cares? Who the fuck you know, cares? They're the not going to win the race with like two kilos of gas less. The only scenario I could see that being an issue is if like, say like Max and Lewis have lapped every car on the grid, except like, p3 and p4 like their teammates like they've lapped everyone else and say like say it was this past season and it's like max one lewis two valtteri three checo four and then leclerc's there in p5 in the ferrari with an extra lap of gas in the tank uh on a restart to be able to like gun it after checo or something like that like that's the only scenario where I see that being problematic because then it does potentially affect the points relatively heavily. Um, if someone were to be able to like utilize that um, to their advantage, I don't think that it would actually matter that much. I'm just like trying to to think through any kind of like, negatives to that because it it seems like a very logical decision and if that were the case and they had just let all the lap cars drop to the back of the pack in abu dhabi if that was the procedure 
and like just let them go to like fall back and like drop back in line. We, I think we, the safety car gets off the track at the same time, and there's no there's much less controversy about the the ending to the season. I think the scenario ends up being the same in that instance. Um, if they had done the unlapping procedure that way, because it would also allow the safety car to get off the track more quickly and yada, 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 and like rules to not have come into question. Obviously like that's all completely up in the air and like, who knows how that affects it and all, but right. I think it's like, just in general, it seems like a very simple solution to like something that seems like it could cause a lot of problems. Well, that's also coming from a driver who said like, you know, uh, someone's going too slow near them. And it's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And they, you know, they blow by them. So in those scenarios, I can see the argument being made. This isn't necessarily my argument, but I can see the argument being made that it's dangerous for them to, what would it be? Cut speed by 60%, 50%, 70%, whatever it is. Just already under safety car though. Like they're already slowed by however much. Okay. So so then you have to change safety car, like the safety car rules to, like change the whole dynamic because everybody is expecting race of the delta no overtaking well yeah so you just say so it would have to be announced uh, like like the same way that they did during abu dhabi essentially Mm -hmm. that like lapped cars like number blank 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 and blank can drop to the back of the field and unlock like to unlap themselves like you be like fucking Lance Stroll and back or whoever the fucking back, like okay. just just move to the side on the straightaway. Let the let the cars that are like the lead cars just like go up on the inside, and you guys just drop back a little bit in a single file yeah. line and kind of. Yeah. And that's like like uh, like an Indian run kind of thing. Like the guy just yeah. drops back and gets in in the back of the line and files in. Um, and I, I just think it's definitely a, a. I don't see any any negatives to it. There's there's no unsafe part of it. Like there's especially like they're announcing to the teams like when to unlap themselves anyway. And all the drivers just go and like speed up and zip around the track. Why is but you're really concerned about that extra whatever fucking? Well, no, it was it was it was something that had been brought up in the replies to Will Buxton's tweet. So like it was the only real argument I could I saw that was like this doesn't make sense because these other cars now have an extra lap of gas that they can like use to whatever right I mean yeah fair enough I can see how it's like the rule change giving the is giving a slight advantage actually back to 
the driver that is unlapping themselves under safety right. car scenario. It's like their their car already got lapped. Like they're already yeah, slower. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm having trouble caring about that. I, I would. That seems I, fine to me. Yeah, I just felt like if I was going to present this as like a, a potential option, I did have right. to like speak on the the one main argument against it that I had seen looking right. at this and all. No, that's um, good. Uh, good journalism, dude. But it, I, I feel like it just makes sense. Like other people are just like, uh, like there are people who are unhappy about like, oh, uh, this guy who replied goes, "What about the sanctity of full race distance?" It's like, bro, when fucking Mazepin's two laps down, when the fucking winner crosses the checkered line or the checkered flag like he just ends when he crosses the, the, right. the line like he's still two laps out he doesn't drive two extra laps around the track right post just race just yeah. to like it's like that's when the race ends so i don't consider that to be a viable argument the the fuel one was the only one i could see but it sure. seems like it just makes sense and like I don't know. I hadn't heard a lot about like unlapping procedures and like best practices up until recently with like the the drama at the end of this last F1 season. But it it seemed like an interesting kind of thought process. Well, and it seemed it seemed at least like an interesting enough like not exploit of the rules, but, like, clear oversight of an example where, oh, the way you have it set up led to, like, something, like, terrible happening. Yeah, or at least allowing there to be an extremely negative, like, controversy that is hurting F1 in general by, like, making them look bad in terms of like how they handled their own rules. Yeah, like yeah, if you're, yeah, if agree. like, so if there's such a glaring like issue in one circumstance to the point that it like causes feuds throughout the entire off season. Yeah. Like that's a serious issue that needs to have some sort of resolution. There needs to be something needs to be changed to Michael ensure Massey that that doesn't happen. Mistake. It, I mean, yeah, like, does he float? Is he a witch? Burn him. <laughs> well, like, isn't yeah, we that gotta, We got to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting point. Um, I had one other one before mm -hmm. uh, we look at any of preseason testing and all and just, like, vaguely mention that stuff but mm -hmm. um so michael andretti has uh applied to the fia to field a new f1 team starting in 2024 uh under andretti global he has the resources um according and this is from mario andretti so he's able to put up the cash for uh joining f1 
Mm-hmm. Um, they have all of the like production and everything that they would need to be able to uh, be a constructor and create their own car. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was submitted, and so they're waiting on the FIA to make a decision on whether or not they will be allowed into F1. I I kind of like the idea. Like I I'm intrigued. There's a lot of teams that um that are in both like IndyCar and F1 to some extent whether it's like a constructor or a team or like they're using engines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um there've been times in F1 that there have been 11 teams and 22 drivers on the grid. Um so I kind of like it. It also can kind of hype up F1 in America a bit more and and get a little more eyes on them. Um I, I think it would be pretty cool. Like I, I know Haas is a like American company, but they they aren't really I don't believe they participate in other racing ventures so they're they're in my mind solely like an f1 team um Hmm. so i think it would be interesting to see an indycar kind of organization come over into f1 well i imagine a lot of the infrastructure is the same you just the technology to cutting edge of this style you know you set up your wind tunnel in this way and yada 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 but i do kind of like i i would rather see them buy a slot rather than put 22 drivers on the grid I think we talked enough last season about, I think we talked enough last season about situations where maybe there's not enough room. The cars are driving too fast. It's, uh, it's maybe causing, causing battles that weren't necessary. So I'm only thinking of like congestion issues we already have during qualifying sessions where like teams are getting backed up, teams are and drivers are missing their laps, uh like their hot laps because drivers are slowing way down in in zones where, you know, the stewards are saying don't slow down here, you know, they're fucking slamming on the brakes. So with things like that already going on, if if Team Andretti wants to be in Formula One, from a uh, what would you say perspective? Not logistics perspective, but like a just like a like a percent usable space percentage. It would seem that maybe twenty two drivers isn't that fun. But- yeah, it's it's tough to like I have. It's tough because there were back maybe 10, 15 years ago, there were, I think at one point, uh, 13 teams in F1 where there are 26 cars on the track. Yeah, and they don't do Um, that anymore. I wonder why. Well, only the top 10 constructors were getting prize money. So I think like financially, it was not necessarily viable 
to potentially be the 11th or 12th or 13th place team. Okay. And get like no money at all. Sure. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense financially. And this is no data at all, just conjecture and guessing. But I bet if you went back to those seasons, you would see many, many, many more crashes than years around it that had less drivers i'd be curious and and i feel ah that's such a tough like such a tough stat too because like you could be like oh there were there were way less crashes crashes that season but it's like fucking michael schumacher and lewis hamilton and Kimi raikkonen and all these like guys who stayed in this and fernando alonso all these guys who stayed in the sport for a crazy amount of time and everything. And you could be like, there were way more crashes this past season. And like six of them are Mazepin and like, <laughs> like it, it like, well, the, that's what I mean. Relative the, to like, close well, like years. Yeah. Like, the so, quality, yeah, it so that, that's a tough one. But I, I think a part of it that's like intriguing to me is like, just looking at their um, different like teams that they have for other racing and everything in formula e they mm-hmm. have a british driver and an american driver mm-hmm. um for indycar two american drivers mm-hmm. um and so like looking they win uh, yeah they're they're uh indycar drivers i i don't know much about formula e um but they're um well well, then, if they win, bring them over. But if they don't win, who cares? But they have, well, for IndyCar, they have Colton Herta and Alexander Rossi, who are two of the like top drivers in IndyCar. Nobody um, ever heard of him. <laughs> uh, Alexander Rossi, his 97 starts, 60 top 10s, 25 top 3s, 7 wins. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Colton heard of 48 starts, six wins, nine top threes, uh, 27 top tens out of 48. So like the, in IndyCar, they're kind of one of the, the top teams. So it, I think it's more intriguing to me, just the thought of there potentially being an F1 team with American drivers. And I'm curious like I, I really am curious how that compares because Roman Grosjean was like a rookie in IndyCar this past year, and he yep. looked phenomenal as mm-hmm. as a quote unquote rookie, um, and looked really really solid throughout the season. Getting, uh, I think he got pole position in one. He was starting top three in a couple of races. Um, he had so, a couple of podium finishes. Um, and so for him to like go into driving a completely new car and do all that, I'm like, I, it's more curiosity of like, hey, if you take these two really good indie car drivers and throw them into F1, like what happens? Are they like, do they keep up? Are they, or does that team end up being middle of the pack or, or how does that work out? Hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, excuse me. It's a, uh, <clears throat> Good question. Has it happened before? And I think it has. I think American drivers have come over to F1 before and haven't done well. Now, that's not that's not to say nobody ever can and whatever. But um, I don't know. 
I don't know what the translation's like, what the differences would be. But yeah, I think from a national standpoint, it would be very exciting to have an American set of drivers come and be represented in the Formula One World Championship. From that perspective, it's it's super exciting. Yeah, um, but I, I just thought it was an interesting thought. It's something that it's two years out, so we probably won't know for, I don't know, probably the next I mean, we may season. know in six, six months those yeah. deals happen and, you know, they get out there. I mean, they were we were right in the beginning of the season when Seb Vettel took his contract with Ferrari. He raced like that whole season knowing he was leaving. Yeah, that that was just also a weird season, though, with the pandemic it's and all. It so, but but it could. And like, I wouldn't be surprised too to allow the team if they are allowed in F1 to give them the time to be able to um put together all of the the constructors kind of components that they would need to to field a car in a couple of years like there mm-hmm. there has to be a lot of work that goes in um when the teams that are on the grid right now have been working on these cars for a full year already for for this new era of f1 so right but uh that is is i guess for for later seasons or until we hear more Sure. This season, though, we have some preseason testing. Just getting um, underway. Some some good looking cars also that were revealed in the past week or so. We have a gorgeous Ferrari that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the silver arrows are back for McLaren with that shiny shiny paint. Alpine has brought the pink back with the BWT sponsorship. Yeah. Um. So, so some other other good looking cars out there. I believe we are only waiting on um, Alfa Romeo to have their official kind of release for theirs. If I'm remembering correctly from all the the other cars. Yeah, because they're running, they're running that like camo livery this weekend that looks pretty tight. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they did their, you know, their event, their reveal yet. Um, but yeah, the the Mercedes Silver Arrow looks really good. I like, uh, I like the way they look. Now, from a technical standpoint, um, what I thought was interesting about the cars when you finally see them out on track, we're noticing that front wing is higher. Right. It's not it's not yeah. scooping the ground as low as it was last year. It's sitting it's sitting like mid height in between the wheels. And as we know, that's for the ground effect that has been worked into the you know, the undercarriage. They're trying mm-hmm. to get some downforce from drawing air under as well. So we're learning all sorts of different stuff about, you know, the airflow and where teams are trying to get their uh, get their speed from. Um, and what's interesting, last year we were talking about rakes and seeing like how teams were pointing the hind end in relation to that front wing. Um, but what's interesting is we're seeing, well, at least it looked like a bunch of really low slung cars and mm-hmm. just sitting real close, but then sit in that wing at, you know, whatever the fuck they're doing. Right. Um, so yeah, just a bunch of really interesting stuff going on. They got the cages out. I think those things are dope, like tracking airflow with all the sensors. Like uh, how much do you think one of those like literal shopping cart cages costs? <laughs> Uh, like 
hundred thousand. Insane. Like it has to. It has to cost so much to be able to have a system that not that fits your specific F1 car. So it has to be manufactured specifically for your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then also to have all those sensors and everything that are also like internet capable essentially to be giving real time feedback of every single every single like sector of the car and everything and uh, like it's crazy i, I maybe a hundred thousand dollars is a little high but like at least tens of thousands of dollars yeah i feel like it, it's got to be a, like multiple tens of thousands of dollars so sure so a reasonable uh, guess, I would say. But yeah, we got all sorts of technology happening, a bunch of really good-looking cars. Like you said, we're still waiting on the Alfa Romeo. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think the McLaren looks sweet. I really like that baby blue and the orange. I'm really rooting for uh, Lando Norris, top of the yeah. table so far. Top of the table. And mm-hmm. I think I think the thing that I was like... So looking at the times and everything, it, mm-hmm. it's tough to say how things are going to be because I yeah, just doesn't mean anything. No, but also just in general, I'm. It's tough because you don't know how turned up these teams have their engines and things like that. Like, are they running at their their full engine power, or are they saying, okay, like let's get some good data and like try and get lots of laps in, and like mm-hmm. let's let's not kill our engine let's not do something stupid let's not uh go go too heavy on the throttle um let's kind of temper our our process a little bit get good data for so that we can make adjustments over the next month um before going into the the preseason testing in uh in abu dhabi bahrain abu dhabi bahrain uh bahrain bahrain um so before that to like make some tweaks and adjustments and everything. Yeah. Um, so it, I think that's, that's the big thing. And one, one bright spot is, I mean, previous years that they had these kinds of new rule changes, preseason testing, there have been problematic times. There have been times where, Teams have barely been able to finish laps. There have been times where I was reading up a little bit uh, previously where there were like, I, I think there was one F1 testing where like only two teams completed a lap or something like that on the first day or something ridiculous um, because there were so many, like the cars just had so many hiccups and stuff that they couldn't like full throttle go out and, and complete a lap without something going critical. Yeah, um, so like a rough to, day for the engineers. Yeah. So to see like the teams come out and be able to put in like a stupid amount of laps, like they, they were able to today, like multiple teams hitting, uh, or uh, most of the teams I'd say hitting at least a hundred laps total amongst their drivers and everything. That's, yep. that's good to see. And I like, I think that's exciting because it, they are getting so much good data um to be able to to make changes and and try and be extremely competitive out the gates 
Yeah, it's actually insane thinking about how much that is, the amount of just sheer miles they're putting on the car. In contrast to years when teams haven't been able to field their vehicle for more than half a lap without the transmission going and the tire falling off. There was a season where Williams' car wasn't even there for the F1 testing for the first two days. Right, and (laughs) it, it speaks to like attitude differences, infrastructure differences, money differences obviously we're in an era where every team is showing up doing not only the homework they've done the extra credit they've done the summer reading for the following year they actually have like three of the book reports written they already have their college applications filled out like they are boom 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 so prepped now obviously we have teams like Haas and Alfa Romeo who were only able to put like sub 50 laps in or whatever like we were talking about before but like it's that's still that's still time on track and hopefully we'll see as these as these sessions continue we'll see them able to get out there but obviously we're in a in a very very elevated time uh for the sport where everybody's like coming with these like alien laser rifles as as weapons to the gunfight yeah it's exciting it's really fun i'm looking forward to seeing at the end of this weekend like what all information we have and data and everything since there's mm-hmm. no like live video or or really i don't think any video at all i think everything's just like reported stuff and and some pictures and what formula1.com is gonna release i think honestly that's gonna be the best place to get content for it i feel like it has to be just because they're they are limiting things so much um mm-hmm. For this testing, the next one, there will be a lot more out there, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm super excited to be back in F1. I know I took a little more time than we were originally planning to, but I was, I was pretty hype about, uh, about the preseason testing something I'm less hype about. I've got a uh, a tweet here that I'm just going to link you. And this was my reaction the other day um, when I when I woke up in the morning. So <laughs> the tweet says, wake up. It's, uh, it's uh, oh, what's his name? It's the guy from Despicable Me, uh, the evil genius guy. It's like, wake up. His name is Gru, voiced by Steve Carell. There we go. I, I was, I knew, I was going to say Groot, but I know that's uh, Marvel and uh, the other guys. everything. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's no, the not other guys it. is Will Ferrell and uh, the Wahlberg, uh, the Wahlberg. Ah, uh, yes, yes, Marky Mark and the Funky yep. Bunch. Wahlburgers. <laughs> um, but no, I'm just doing word uh, association, trying to trying to drive you off track. But yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Cloud Nine, uh, Cloud Nine releases LS, and it's because it's because his father's gay. Wait, really? No, it's a a Seinfeld (laughs) reference where Costanza's like, oh, my father's gay. It's like it's like it. So so this was the the big experiment with LS and his his thought processes and kind of philosophy on League of Legends to be able to say. 
is this guy just talking shit online and saying he's smarter than everyone or is he actually like does he know something and cloud nine started off decently enough that i i it obviously is not a performance reason that he was uh was released so in general i'm not really sure why or what or or how things happened but um i'm kind of disappointed more so in that aspect that i'm like i wanted to see does the like should i start praying at the church of ls or not Based on the in-game strategies and the pick and bans, I don't think you're supposed to be praying at the church. Like he, they, Cloud Nine is doing things that no other team is doing, and like they're not, they don't look good doing it either. It's really risky stuff. It's weak. It's really weak. And I would argue that they should not have won that game against TSM. There is no way in hell they should have won that game. So, that fucking Senna, Karthus, bottom lane, get the fuck out of here. There is no way that should have won a game. And honestly, like, crucify him. Crucify him, because that had to be his idea. I mean, he was not the coach any longer at that point, but obviously all the preparation and everything going right. into what the week and all. What else are they supposed all, to do? Yeah, I know. You know I what know. it reminds me of? You know what it reminds me of? The fucking bring it on scene where they get Sparky Palastri in the last minute to teach him <laughs> about the jazz hands, and then they go to the tournament, and every kook there has the jazz hands, and they're like, shit, no, no, no. <laughs> they were ill prepared and they just like reboot reset and was like i'll just play karthus wait wait grab the oriana hurry get it and that was abysmal they should not have won that game so they they won the game in my opinion like because of of two players on that team and it was, it was one moment that tsm well, lost the game in well yeah one moment but two players in general and it was it was blabber and summit and in my opinion and blabber obviously getting the baron steal with the nocturne ultimate which was like that is a electric way to steal a baron to mm-hmm. fucking throw Turn the a lights ward, out. Throw a ward in there so you have vision. Turn the lights out and then ult in and somehow get the Baron Steel on it. That's yeah. wild. That is that, well, that it shouldn't have be... mattered is the thing. Like it shouldn't have mattered, but it ended up being so yeah. important. But at but at that point, Cloud9 was able to utilize the split push from the Camille that yeah. Summit was playing so, yeah, so, so effectively. They were pushing and pulling TSM all over the map after they got that Baron. They mm-hmm. have the Camille in the bot lane. They dragged out that Elder Dragon fight for so fucking long that elder dragon fight felt like it took forever because yeah, do you, Camille, did you watch why did uh, you i watched the alistair well yeah but yeah. i'm just like yes it wouldn't have taken that long he literally blew his hex flash in the bush like for vision he walked the long way around the road he went behind the warehouse around the lake 
down the stairs and then up the ladder. He came, he literally walked in a circle and then pulverized the ground and the game was over for TSM. Whoever the fuck that guy is, get him out of here. It was so bad. Was and so I can bad. tell you who that guy is. That guy is uh, Yersan. <laughs> it so. was so brutal to watch. Like, the only reason that fight could not start for TSM, because they didn't have their Alistair, and when he showed up, he didn't or, do anything. No, sorry, sorry. I think that was, uh, that was Shen Yi, or I don't know. It was whoever uh, they swapped it, out. It was Yersan. It was Yersan. Yeah, they it was swapped out Shen Yi for Yersan. Yeah. It was just but, so rough. Like, and, and that goes to the inexperiences in that moment where you're trading, like, bot pressure, you're teleporting your mid lane back, you're trying to vie for control over the Elder Dragon. The, yeah. It, but it all melted. It all fell apart. They do not look I, seasoned. They don't look good. They don't. But I also think that to some extent, Cloud9 was. I think Cloud9 still could win that fight without yeah, sure. that because Yodo had to teleport back and everything to defend the base mm -hmm. and, and all. And mm -hmm. then Summit was able to come in on the Camille and turn mm -hmm. it into a 5v4. Mm -hmm. So, like, nonetheless, like, maybe the game drags out longer because more Cloud9 people die and they're not able to, like, push down and whatever. But mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if the result like that Baron is really the crucial moment and that wasn't needed. Like TSM like was ahead and should have been able to stay ahead. That's a like mm -hmm. the fact that they put themselves in a position to 50 50 a Baron mm -hmm. against one of the best junglers in the LCS. Like it's not, it's not tight. <laughs> No, no, it it obviously didn't go well. So, like yeah. Cloud Nine should have gone O two this week. They should have lost to CLG and TSA. They should have lost to the two worst teams in the league this week. Yeah, and and they uh, fortunately came out one and one. So it it's dude. I, North America is really hard to watch because we're gonna get to fucking China and it's it's night and day dude it, it is, is it night is. and day not one of those teams is even thinking about Carthus. i know but at the same time man i don't think that we are that far off i know it looks bad right now but you have to remember that one North American League of Legends, we're playing best of ones. We're yeah. still not getting the same kinds of practice that they worse. are getting in the LPL and the LCK in the best yep. of threes. Yep. Like we're we're just not. So that's a detriment to them. But also, I mentioned it at the beginning of uh, or before this season even started. I don't think there's a single. LC like what was the isn't there one LCS team that barely had any changes? Who was it? Hundred Thieves? Yeah. Someday yeah. closer, Abadaga, FBI, Hui. Yeah. They they had no changes in their in their starting lineup. Every other team out there had a lot of position changes and a lot of new players, a lot of international players coming in. And like right. I think that <laughs> 
like like it just in the grand scheme of things it's a spring split it's early on we're uh-huh. barely into it all these teams are learning they're trying to mesh they have young talent they have people coming from other regions i was watching uh, an interview with um, with Dignitas. I think it was Blue after one of their games that uh, okay. he was talking and he was saying how like River came over and there's such a huge language barrier because he he's Korean and there's mm-hmm. a American top laner, a European mid laner, a Canadian support, and a. Um, uh, I forget where Neo is from. I think it's uh, Taiwan, maybe uh, okay. Vietnam. And so, like the the language barrier with uh, with River initially was like pretty pretty rough. And Dignitas was still performing well, but I, I think that like a lot of these teams have multinational groups, and with them being so new to playing with each other, alongside that. I think that it's way more prone to looking kind of clown fiesta e than North America normally already looks. <laughs> yeah, big time. But like, understand understand that that's a. But I guess you're talking about the picks and bands too, and like Cloud Nine picking obscure weird shit, and like that and doesn't that's fine. That's like they're getting affected, W's on it. That's not affected by language barriers and new teammates. That's just like by playing like weird shit. Well, <laughs> but maybe there is an element of the language barrier that comes out in those pick and bands where it's like, this is just what I'm comfortable on. I know how games flow when I'm on this champion. I'll have to say less. They'll have to say less to me. I, maybe I can't it's all imagine. about comfort. I can't imagine Berserker having that many uh, times where he's like, oh, yes, I'm a, a bot laner. I'm going to go to my comfort pick, Karthus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so no, I, I agree with you in, like, that Cloud9 is, is playing. So, but I, I don't think it's, like, that ridiculous of a pick. It's – I don't think it's the right pick. But you're playing the farming Senna, so or the fasting Senna. So you have the Senna support there, and Karthus has been for a long time one of those champions that's known for being able to to just like farm from far away and like get the cues down, last hitting, like not not getting dove too heavily, which they they did get dove pretty pretty badly, but. Um, I, I can see the concept execution and like maybe against what they were playing against, not the best mm-hmm. because you have the Zin Zhao that's able to dive in so heavily. You have the jinx that like, if you are out of position at all on center or Karthus and a jinx gets you with the, the goddamn flame chompers you're you're stuck and you're getting blasted mm. and you're just like and then you have alistar on you and you're just dead and mm-hmm. that jinx is running faster at your your counterpart um so i i think that the pick in that scenario the pick maybe not terrible probably not as good as like a tom kench setup. <laughs> 
Um, right. That's what I mean. Like they have, and, and I'm not, I don't have the, the bands up right now. Tom Kench wasn't banned. Okay. They picked Senna Karthus. Uh, the, the bands were Corky, Gwen, Caitlin, Zary, Jarvin, Lulu. Hmm. So Tom Kench didn't get banned until second rotation after they had already picked the Karthus. They picked Senna Karthus first round. Uh, Red picked one and two. And then Tom Kench is still getting banned. Like, that's just so weak sauce, dude. Like, at that point, it doesn't matter. Yeah. At that point. And that then, was banned by TS. Well, well, then. I guess you can the play the Karthus in other lanes, technically, right. or jungle. Or... So, oh, wow. Now they have Karthus as a flex pick, dude. Jungle Karthus, oh, baby. Sick, dude. I mean, wh- whatever. I think we have talked about. Okay, maybe I'm actually being hypocritical here. Let's let's slow down because we have talked about wanting players to have a pocket pick, something that they can go to. Different. Okay, all right. So maybe so maybe this is different. But well, let's, like so, I see, a, I see a pocket pick being like like uh, Uzi on Vane or like something like. Sven breaking out the Callista when it's really not like a pick ban champion right now or okay. something like that. Okay. I, I, I see, see that, that as something that is like it it still fits the role well. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe not as strong or not one of the it top. It feels like B tier, like, right? Yeah, which is which is sometimes fine. Sometimes mm. you don't need S tier in every lane to win a game. Sometimes you just need execution. But when you're going to like C tier, D tier for a pick, I the- disagree. I disagree with that point big time. You can get S tier champions in every role, dude. Well, tell well- me how V five gets Lux, Caitlyn, Rise, Zinjiao, Gwen. All in one draft. No, I mean, I'm not set one. That's a fuck up by the other team. That's a, that's poor drafting. No, on. no, that's both sides drafting really well. And like, okay, then we get the the lease in the victor, the you know whatever. But, and but, they're ignoring dumb shit. But my, it's not that it's not possible to get S tier in every role. It's that sometimes that's not the best option like just because one champion like maybe it doesn't fit the team comp as well maybe it doesn't fit like what your your like play style is or whatever yep maybe if you're gonna pick the if if you're gonna pick the caitlin instead of like uh, instead of ezreal like mm-hmm. you just aren't gonna play it as well because you don't have the like the execution that you feel or the comfortability so like comfortability and like the uh the knowledge of a specific specific champion like comes in huge i mean fucking it revenge does. revenge for um fly quest their top or used to be fly Quest's top laner um now for immortals he was a riven one trick in the top mm-hmm. lane like he was mm-hmm. a riven one trick for forever and like he kept pulling it out in lcs last season and they got some wins on it to mm-hmm. the point that riven started getting banned and it's like not riven wasn't a fucking 
broken champion or S tier or anything, but like the ability that he had on it was better than he did on other top laners. Sure. And so he was able to execute on it in a way that like he couldn't on other on other champions. Right. So fair enough. Okay. So I, so I think we're getting lost in the weeds here about this Carthage pick in one North American game. But what I'm trying to get at is it goes to it it feels part of an endemic issue where a bunch of teams are drafting this way, a bunch of teams are playing this way, and like you said, we have a bunch of rookies. It's like a building year, whatever. But it it's all it, it it's all just showing that 2022 is not the year for North America, obviously, unless it's going to be Bjergsen dragging Team Liquid, kicking and screaming, or or Abadaga and his crew of 99 other thieves, you know, and dragging them all the way up the hill. But yeah. No, I, I agree. I just I don't want us to come down too hard on on NALCS this this early. I think there's a lot of components that are uh, and yes, like we are a worse region. Like it, it that is a proven fact. Like through MSIs, you got me. You through, got me. That's what I, that's all I'm trying to get at. Here. Yeah, through MSIs, through Worlds for mm. for a decade now, yeah. <laughs> we we've proven that we're we're a we're B tier region. But I I think that when we actually get to the point of international competition, like we will look better than we do now. Hopefully. I think. Um, I think when one team's clown fiesting, it it kind of forces the other team into a similar situation, even if they're that's not their normal style. Uh, yes, chaos style. I, I hate that, but like when when things start getting weird and teams start doing things that you don't expect, it throws other teams off and they kind of lose track. I mean, I remember playing when I when I would play league and I would be sitting there on Ezreal in the bot lane and I'd have a guy down to like one HP and I'd throw out a Q in the space that he should have dodged to. And he wouldn't dodge because he was bad enough that he didn't know better. He just ran in a straight line. And mm -hmm. I'm like, they're so bad, they don't even dodge right. Right, <laughs> like, but it makes you bad because you've missed now. Like, because you I could predict the non-predict. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's how NA, I feel like, it can be sometimes. It's like... One team just like does something fucking weird and wrong, but it throws the other team off enough that it's like, oh well, shit. Now we're we're thrown off by like how weird this other team is playing, and so yeah. I mean that's uh, that's probably enough NALCS talk for for now. But I I just think that I think that the gap looks larger than it than it truthfully will be. Nope, I disagree. And I would like to point you to China specifically. Dude, should we do the bet thing? Should we should we like make oh, like I'm going to be so wrong and then I don't want to where oh, where uh, where I could say that NA is going to get like a win off of China and Korea at MSI or something like that. Oh yeah, you could <laughs> say that. That's like fun and interesting. Yeah, and then uh I, I don't know. We'll have to we'll we'll contemplate uh maybe next week we'll come back with uh with some sort of bet on the table of uh 
one of us has to not not monetary shit. Like we can come up with something more interesting than that for a for the a loser has to that. shave their head. How about that? Oh, I my hair won't come back if I do. <laughs> yeah, I know mine will. I can't commit to that. I'll do that all day, dude. Hey, man, I just I just cut my hair and everything, and uh, I feel like it looks half decent. Uh, the bald look is not for me. That's not so yet. funny. That's so there. funny. I actually like found the button. Yeah, <laughs> found the bet button that you don't want to do. You'll do an ass tattoo. You'll fucking call your grandma, but you're like, no, you scared I'm not, me. I'm not not shaving my head. No, but uh, but LPL. I know you wanted to get into it. We had uh Dude, some interesting so stuff exciting. i want to i want to hear you you texted me about a point you had earlier this week and something that you're interested to see uh how it shakes out so so tell me a little bit what games were you watching that you were um seeing some of the precursors that previously we've seen that have led to some uh some lane swap meta yeah. All right. So specifically, it was V5 and LGD. And then the other game was LNG versus RNG. So. And we're going to get really into the weeds. I want to talk about a lot of stuff. But basically, we're seeing barring changes to the turrets, we're seeing the same aggressive gameplay that developed out of it was like it was like 2013 2014 or so where teams started to mess with swapping their top laner into the bottom lane to save them from a counter-picked matchup they would send their bottom laners so their ad carry and their support they would send them top lane and just say shove 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 that turret down as fast as you can so you can swap back to get your top laner out of a losing scenario, you give him freedom in the lane by nuking your opponent's turret in the top lane. You get to swap back. You'll likely have a gold, an experience advantage because you crack the first turret. So we saw in China, teams began to abuse the fact that teams were going to just just dead man into a lane swap because everybody was doing it. They would they would pick a bad matchup for the top side, just assume a lane swap was happening, and it would just get carried out with vertical jungling and mid protection and level one wards over the back forest, the the back jungle wall to see which side they were coming out on. Are they going the bot side or the top side? All of these little mind games developed just from teams trying to figure out was a lane swap happening or not and was it happening at x moment or y moment and what side in china we started to see the top teams capitalize on the dead man lane swap i'm gonna call it where they drafted knowing they were going to and now it's a meme everybody talks about it you'll hear kobe and freak and everybody say it like oh he's they're playing to their weak side or they're avoiding their weak side the weak side term started with the lane swap. You were mm-hmm. you were sending your Malphite or your Maokai or your Scion or your Dr. Mundo to die. But what you were doing was opening up resources to four one the other side and just manhandle that turret. 
but what happened? Well, yeah, I was like, who's whose top laner is gonna get bodied worse? Like, who, right? Or 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 are we gonna go like I, to to when it went to the full like four v zero pushes for a hot sec where yep. it was oh who's got the faster pushing power on yep. their on their team who 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 managed the wave properly enough that this team has eight minions coming up on wave three towards the turret and the other team has uh six and now they're gonna push down and get a huge chunk out of tier two and like yeah it, crazy crazy gameplay patterns that developed just simply out of like just trying to save a top lane matchup this is how far down the rabbit hole these teams went so okay so that was that's what happened before when we had lane swaps and then riot came in and they changed it so like the top lane turret was like tougher it made it not make sense they made the bottom lane turret worth like 10,000 gold or whatever so so just to preserve the holy sanctity of the 112 with a jungler but now and this is where we're going to go back to modern day 2020 china baby where we have v5 and lng and rng playing for the same advantages that cropped up out of this like 2013 2014 2015 meta all right so we have vertical jungling starts where teams are just trading sides not playing blue side blue side blue side and blue side red buff they're playing blue side blue buff red side red buff and then the other team knows that, so their jungler just plays for that. It's trading of pressures. So well, we see the vertical jungling develop. Go ahead. Okay. So so what what is the the source of this? Um, in in your opinion, for like say this series specifically uh -huh. uh, between LGD and V five, was uh -huh. it just that one team's like like are there any picks specifically that you you feel like yes. you can point to that yes. are like causing this that are saying oh yes. like like my team's jungler is not as strong in the 1v1 or my team's like mid jungle yes. is weaker so okay all right so in the 80 carry and bottom lane role specifically we have jinx Caitlyn that are cropping up as the top tier AD carries. Now mm -hmm. these aren't necessarily they're not necessarily played in this in this series, but they are they are the types of bottom laners that you would want in these like types of strategies. In the V5 LGD specifically, talking about the top side, we have Sejuani and Renekton. Renekton can set up tur turret dives really well, and Sejuani can follow up on them. So mm. they're picking for this top-sided advantage where they're going to give away early dragon pressure and be able to two-on-one or three-on-one the with top the side laner, get there. Yeah. And, yep, with the mid laner, get their advantage there. And Got then, so V5 has Rookie and Karsa, and this is where you really see, this is where you're really going to see the lane swap 
or the vertical jungling meta, how teams are playing this mid lane jungle synergy. Karsa and Rookie were moving around like they were left and right hands. We're seeing Karsa play the Hecarim, so he can be everywhere. He can he can clear the enemy camp super fast and get out. We're seeing Hecarim as an amazing turret dive champion. The the movement speed granted by the Ghost, his ultimate. He benefits from the possible Cloud Drake so much. He was everywhere in this game, and he had Rookie in his pocket the whole time. So we're seeing you want you want bottom laners that can shove, shove, shove. We're seeing we're seeing Yumi's the uh, the Karmas. We're seeing Lulus. We're seeing teams experiment with the Janas and the Sorakas. The buffs are coming for these hyper carry supports. So you see. You want the diving junglers, like you like you alluded to, the Jin Zhao, the Lee Sin, the Hecarim, things that can get the fuck under an opponent's turret fast. We're seeing the Volley Bear come out. His ultimate literally turns off turrets. So this is another pick that you see. If they're picking Volley Bear, they want to dive turrets. They are coming for you at three and a half minutes. And that's what is so scary about these strategies. And I'm so worked up and I'm so hyped because it's so exciting and it's so aggressive. And teams are not going to be ready for it. Well, so, and so that's so, the V5 LGD series. Go so ahead. So from the LGD side, um, do you think that seeing this, because obviously the Mordekaiser pick was uh, it's last so good. It can one be two so easy. Yeah, it was last picked uh, or in in final pick phase for LGD in both the first two games, uh, having that and everything. And so um, obviously that that makes seems like it's a more reactive pick to the situation. So they're seeing kind of this. Um, this concept being prepped on the the v5 side yep um and and reacting to that do you feel like because i i don't know i i don't know if this has been happening in other uh lpl games or lpl matchups it is. everything it is it is so so why are 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 there any picks like the the mordekaiser that are capable of Gwen, Jax, Mordekaiser is a great one. And you you saw, uh, I, I forget what the LGD top laner's name is. I think Rick. it's, okay. He, he 2v1'd, I think, twice when they came at him for the turret dive. So having the AoE options, and it seems like... Oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's Fearness. Um, Rich is the V5 top laner. My gotcha. Bad. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, no, you're good. Um, it seems like these early game AP champions that can deal AoE, so when people are coming at them, they're hitting everybody and they don't have to select. Well, and Finn was playing the Jax. here too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's, it's crazy. And so even in these... We're seeing teams not be perfect at the diving part part of it yet. We're uh, honestly, I watched a lot of them get turned around, but it was it, it was evident of a play style to come. And then the one champion that I was waiting for to see in the eighty carry role that's going to solidify this turret taking mentality is the Tristana, and we saw her being played mid lane. 
Mm. We saw her being played mid lane. The double 80 carry strategy is viable. Enchantress supports want to be played. The Tom Kench is insane right now. We have so much protection available for these shove, shove, shoving carries that I I truly believe we're gonna be we're gonna begin seeing 3-0 and 4-0 split pushes because the first blood gold and those plates they're so easy to play for and it and it feels like from a bunch of these series the other the other series I was getting my data from is orange LNG versus RNG and we saw some of it in EDG versus IG as well. That seemed that was a little more standard, but it's these it's these champions that can 2v1 or 3v1 and come out with a kill or two. We're seeing the Kennens, the Graves, these guys that can really put up a fight in the top lane are going to be the ones that you want to be choosing to have a fight when, you're, when your top laner is getting dove while you're trying to get the dragon or whatever. I think we're going to start seeing some really crazy fucking League of Legends. And what I was so, why I was so critical about North America and why I feel so bad to watch these games is like, and we're, we're not even in full lane swap. It's not, it's not like teams are, are doing that yet. We're, it's, it's how they're choosing their advantages and what they're choosing to play for, but the dives are happening. And when the dives happen, it's you're 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 fighting against like you're you're standing at the thing that you believe to be like giving you shelter and the enemy team just doesn't care and that's like that's when you're really going to get ran over and made to look like you're you're not even playing the game well i think the scariest part of this is like that these teams that are working on doing this right now if the meta and if riot doesn't make any balance changes that like stop this from happening they are going to be so good at executing these tower dives and being able to just like stomp someone into the ground early mm-hmm. in the game and run over them and like you're not going to run into a tower dive uh that's fucking renegades versus dignitas where like i think I, like every champion died somehow in the te- in the tower dive or something mm-hmm. absurd like the divers died the fucking defenders died like everyone just died and they like then someone like died to dragon or something like that it was hell like, yeah one of those fucking embarrassing terrible terrible league of legends north america moments but um but i think that's really that's that's something that's intimidating because that is a very you have to you have to be very practiced and and prepared for that kind of play style because turd dives are not easy especially early on turds do a ton of damage to to champions early in the game and so yeah it's the juggling of aggro that's tough yeah you like you can only take so many turret shots you have to be able to balance it and so if they can get down the execution on that um that's gonna be scary once it comes to some international play time obviously a lot of league of legends before that but um if things are are going that way i'm interested to see kind of how long it takes the other regions to start picking up on uh these different um kind of play styles that that seem to be cropping up like they are in the lpl 
Yeah, and it's fascinating, but e- like even if you look at even if you look at LCK, if you look at the teams at the top of the table, the Damwon Kia T1 matchup was super fucking standard, right? It was super mm-hmm. fucking standard. They opt into the 2v2. They want they want the Kennen matchup. The mid laners are picking like just uh just champions they can farm with. I think I think Showmaker was on a collie for the second game that he played. He was on Ari and then he he yeah, they picked a collie after the victor. Gotcha. Um, yeah. The, so we went for the like assassin into the caster matchup, but like yeah. o- overall, they're playing super standard or trying to play around that, playing around that assassin in the mid lane with Showmaker. So even even comparing, contrasting the two, because I think V five has a shot to win China. If you're if you're comparing and contrasting the top team in China and the top team in LCK, they're playing very very differently, and it's 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 frankly fascinating because when we get to an msi or you know god forbid some other international tournament that we don't know about we're really going to see a clash of styles and then can you imagine if all along t1 is ready to get lane swapped on and they're like oh come at us rookie you ain't got shit, Carsa. Dude, that would that would literally be like a matchup of regions and styles. Cause uh it, like watching the Nongshim game and the Damwon game that T1 played, they're not playing the same style. No, um, not at all. So even even being so, you know, in the sky about this, oh, the mythical lane swap and oh, it's top tier League of Legends, and it's it's the truth. We're we're still not seeing it in every region, so right. it may not be the perfect way to play yet. It might not, but like I think it's not. Um, I, I don't necessarily think right now that there is probably one single singular play style that is going to be the uh, end all be all of of League of Legends. I think there's the ability for multiple play styles to be functional and work right now. Yeah, it seems um, like it. And I mean, like that is also speaks to like the kind of typical nature of Korea. Korea typically does follow much more standard formats. Um, they are typically following a much more like uh, standard play style, macro intensive, and all, but in a standard format as opposed to macro intensive and and like. Uh, the LPL with the the lane swaps or dives and things like that, uh, the the vertical jungling, like that is very micro intensive as well because it does require such fine uh, precision with doing certain certain components of that to make it work. Um, so much planning, right? Like, do you remember how many conversations you have, you have to it be was? setting up the wave? You have to be managing your wave from the get go. Crazy with the wards where they're like creeping in for level ones, and then teams are getting like creative with the level ones. Like, oh, we know they come in from here and look for that ward. Like, or even walking up past midpoint in the lane yeah. to draw the minions aggro towards you to make them bounce a certain way yeah. or to hold them, or like minion blocking your own minions yeah. so that they like get Are bunched slower. up closer and get to lane slower so that you're bouncing the wave faster. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much micro, like, like fine, yep. fine precision that you need for those things. 
Um, whereas in, in the more standard play styles, it, it doesn't require as much of that, um, to, to get your leads and advantages. Right. I mean, and, and looking over to the RNG and LNG series, uh, that was a much more standard kind of matchup than we, than we were seeing from the V5 LNG matchup that, that directly followed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're seeing, um, we're seeing the Gwen be like a really strong pick, and in in general, that matchup was uh, that was a, a fun series to kind of get to watch through and everything. Um, with LNG taking their their first L of the season yes. um, and everything, I felt like they. I felt like that was a really good matchup, and RNG is also a top team in China, so seeing them get that win off of LNG wasn't shocking extremely, but um, it, it was fun to watch through. Do you, oh, what, yeah, are your, definitely. what are your notes? Do you have any notes specifically from that matchup? Or A lot of it was the, like, was bin and the top the top lane matchups back and forth like they are so exciting to watch like you can tell they have just two eyes on the mini map at all times and playing playing as a top laner that is able to play with and around the team as well they're so exciting to watch because so many late game fights come down to teleport positionings and where they can find their openings um and the 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 bin gameplay is just always super exciting um so in the lng and the rng matchup a lot of a lot of my focus was on the top side and watching watching that matchup unfold i loved yeah. uh i loved the gwen versus akali that was so fun um so yeah there was just a lot of good stuff from from that matchup yeah and why like the akali coming out is always interesting because it has so much like potential to to pop off but yeah like, it, it really, if it if it doesn't, you really do get stuck into that kind of window of okay, like I it, to win a fight, we I have to blow someone up and kill someone mm-hmm. after Kali. With the amount of stopwatches, Zonia's hourglasses, things like that that are out there, yeah, why, like there are so many times that you watch an Akali going in. I mean, just going to the to the T1 Damwon series, you mm-hmm. saw Showmaker going in on the Akali towards the end of that game too. And just the the like one of the last fights in that that series, he dove in to try and blow someone up and Zonia like in in what is like milliseconds of time mm-hmm. like just fly flies in to do damage and then pop zonias and he got hit with so much damage in that that split second that he was like at 10 percent health yeah <laughs> when he hit that hourglass and, and they just like, they just like it, it is so, so all or nothing yeah it was uh it was pretty incredible to watch that um watching t1 they are playing so it's exciting to see them playing so well because like 
They can play from behind really well, too. And that's one of the scariest things in League of Legends. Yeah. Is, like, never being able to count them out. Always being scared that there's a ward that you did not fucking see. Dude, that flank from Zayus on Kennen in Game 2, he mm. literally just, like, he hugged that wall. He must have been right outside of Vision and oh, just yeah. fucking flash ulti created so much chaos in that blue choke. Like, oh, yeah. Dude, it is it is a good time to be to be a top laner. You have some fun tools at your disposal. Oh yeah, and so and, much variety too. Like you yeah. can play so many champions and be viable in the top lane right now. And yeah, the the creativity in that moment from the top laner to get to get the advantage for team one was pretty good. Um, never never count them out. Yeah, and watching uh, honestly, I I enjoy seeing Faker on um on the Azir too in game 1 like getting to watch him play that Azir versus Ari matchup like mm -hmm. seeing him do the the Sharima shuffles and flash ults and things like that. Um when he flash ulted right at the Raptor camp and picked mm -hmm. off the the Jinx right there and like so and clean, that was dude. it was game over at that point like that was the like one of the the kind of nails in the coffin they were already mm -hmm. leading they already were had the advantage but getting that pick and all like it, it's so impressive that he looks so good after so many years i know i've said it probably a hundred times but like i like watching baker man he's, yeah he's, he's, he's fun to watch and like he's good at League of Legends, that's what makes him fun to watch. I'm not just mm -hmm. like some fanboy. Like he's also just like really fucking good. Right. Like, it's not like um oh, oh like you're living in the past, old man. Get with the times. It's like nah, he's still shitting on kids. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But, but also at the same time, like yeah, we get it. Like Chovy's good, Showmaker's good, Rookie's pretty good right now. Like there's there's plenty Showmaker of good mid laners. Showmaker was probably rated higher than him last year at Worlds for mid laners, and yeah, and he's probably still rated higher right now. Probably, yeah. Regardless, so it's, it's it it's not that we think he's the best in the world. He's just right, a really fun exactly. player to watch. Yeah, yeah, and like sentimentality uh, goes a long way. So, <laughs> well, I mean, he has three World Championships, and nobody else does. I don't think that's sentimentality, dude. That's no, just no, no. I mean, it it, but it has been a while since he's won a World Championship. So like people could say that is uh, a while in League of Legends time sure. frame. Like sure, it, I mean well, people still call Jordan the goat. He ain't played in a while. That's true, <laughs> but, but basketball's been around for like a century. And yeah, this is true. <laughs> League of Legends has been around for like twelve years. <laughs> Comparable time, I would say. Yeah, basically, it's like mm -hmm. the same thing. It's like the same length, give or give or take. Just years. a day or two. Just, just a little bit mm -hmm. um but yeah is there uh any other any other league that you wanted to talk about discuss getting through that all no not really i just like really wanted to lay the groundwork for what's going on in some of the other regions and i think well, those were i think that was like a a, a really like it, it it felt like a big turning point in the meta this week watching watching china where it's like man they're doing some crazy stuff well and i'm curious to see how that kind of continues going forward i think that's oh, yeah, a good thing too. to keep a close eye on to see uh 
are things going to shift? Are they going to continue to like push this? Is it going to progress into that same kind of lane swap meta where right. they're like, okay, you get top jungle and like, we'll take the dragon and, and dive bot and you guys can take top lane and take that, take the Herald and all that. Like, I don't, right. I think that the last time when we were seeing the 4v0 pushes, there was not a Rift Herald, if I'm remembering correctly. So I don't think there was. I don't imagine that it will get to the 4v1 lane meta, but I, I would still not be surprised to see it progress into more of a standard lane swap that we've we've previously seen. So yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, who knows where where they'll take it? But uh, it was definitely exciting to see, and it just it just felt like it felt like I was seeing the ones and zeros. Man, I was like, oh my god! It, I, it's kind of cool when you've like watched something or paid a, attention to something long enough that you see some of those like little things that stand out that like other people who are newer to the, to the game in general may not even have been around for, for seeing lane swap matters where you're just like the numbers, Mason, what do they mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like (laughs) it's, uh, it's fun. So, um, so good league of legends. Um, I agree. LPL is, is definitely and LCK very Mm -hmm. fun to watch. Um, we'll keep our eye on NA and see how many weeks it takes before they start doing the same. Yeah, Jesus fuck, dude. It's, it is, it is the clown fiesta over there. But yeah, that's, that's really all I had to say about League of Legends for this week. Well, I mean, it, it was a lot to say, but you know, that's, uh, um that's 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 enough for now and we are uh we are we are running kind of late we just had we just had one magic uh one magic game they played a second game i i sat out we had five people playing um but i think um i think think that's a good problem to have it's a very good problem to have an extra extra guy around but I will say I am three and four, so I have a seventy-five percent win rate right right now. Um, well, no, not three and four. Three wins in four games, so I'm yeah, three yeah. and one. Yeah, three yeah. out of four. Yeah. Um. So I was able to take a win on Monday, so that was fun. What but, did you? Um, uh, what did you win on? What that? I played Tatiova, which is green blue. I basically just wanted to put a lot of lands in play. And I won the game by sacrificing all of those lands and draining my opponents. Um, nice. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily like feels good. This is the point that I was going to make. Was like I know the opponents have little interaction, like little weight, like a few ways to kill my things because they're playing the pre-constructed decks. And mm. yes, they have some removal, but it's not like ten or eleven or twelve pieces. It's only like five or six pieces of removal. Um so when you get a win in those scenarios, it's kinda like, wow, you just didn't kill my thing and whatever. I got to like a and lot so of times to win. So you're like your opponent who were they I was up against Ian, John and Ben. And so John and Ben were using the pre-constructed deck set. I, I've it. seen though. I thought about. Um, I saw some at Target the other day, and I was like looking at them. I'm like, no, they oh, didn't. you'll get in there. One, Wait, you don't even have to invest money. We can just play online together. That's true. One was like a. It was like a vampire deck or something like that's that. Cool. And I yeah, was yeah. like, it's like I don't know if that's quite my speed. I was. I was. I'm. I'm looking. I'm okay. keeping an eye. I'm keeping okay. an eye out. 
if I hey, if I see something that, me, man. that tickles my fancy, then uh, then we'll see uh, if I if I get into it at some point. So that's what's up. Well, hell yeah, that's enough magic talk for me. Then you're saying that you're even just peeking at it. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, man, you want to finish off strong with a flavor of the week here? Yeah, definitely. I'll uh, roll through mine pretty quickly. Um, this past weekend, uh, we got together for my dad's birthday. Um, so family got all together and, uh, my mom got mission barbecue, which oh, was, yeah. uh, just chef's kiss, uh, like had some, some nice brisket, um, some, some pulled pork with, uh, like a vinegar barbecue sauce, which is my favorite. Nice. I, like I I'm love the vinegar base. I love the like Carolina style vinegar barbecue sauce and everything. That's like my. It's right up my alley. Um, my music and, and uh, visual medium kind of tie together. Um, Colleen and I have been uh, big fans of Euphoria. Um, and so the season finale is coming out on Sunday uh, nice. for the season. And um, just for anyone who hasn't seen it, it like does have a lot of very mature themes and mm-hmm. can, can kind of get kind of... Uh, it can get pretty dark at different points, um, but it's very well done in my opinion. And a lot of the concepts that they discuss and kind of like bring to um, kind of pop culture, I think are mm-hmm. really like valuable in general um, because they, they show like depression and drug abuse and like all these other things. And like the, the characters have a lot of depth that they build throughout and like yes there's very um like hyperbolic like all a lot of the scenarios are extreme and you're like this wouldn't happen in a real high school and it's like yeah it's a the like part of the point like they're Mm -hmm. showing a lot of extreme scenarios with a finite cast um but I think they do it very well to to show um, some different things that like don't get talked about as much in in the popular culture that kind of have been swept under the rug for years and years and like gotcha. uh, bringing that stuff to the forefront like uh, to the point of even like why some people do fall into that hole of uh, addiction and things like that or like how they uh how people can treat some of their their closest or most loved friends family and things like that due to due to um that kind of scenario um so it's it i i think it's a really well done show i just wanted to make sure to give the precursor that is also um definitely has a lot of mature content and and can probably have a lot of triggers for people who who may have been involved in in or had different experiences in their life uh, have been hardships and all um Mm -hmm. but with that the music um and the the score for this season has been really like solid and so they they put out uh on spotify there's some different playlists that have some of the songs and a number of them were created like it looks like specifically for the series um, but this one guy, uh, artist Labyrinth, um, has put out, uh, a few different songs for the series and it's very like, um, kind of like, 
uh, conceptual or, or I, I don't can't think of the name, but it, or experimental kind of music. Um, he's got like a mix of like rap kind of sounds, but also like it's not EDM, but it's kind of EDM. It sounds a little bit more like like lots of like bass beats and stuff like that, um, but not all the electronic sounds. Oh my god, I fucking knew it. Yes, he features on the Weeknd's album, Beauty Behind the Madness, the second track, Losers. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he's the guy doing the vocal sample it, that like that the Weeknd is singing off of. When you said that, I knew I fucking heard his name before, and that's where I heard it. I love that song, and I love that album. Gotcha, so that's, yeah. That's so awesome. he's, yeah, he's been with... Uh... So also alongside Beyonce, um, he, yeah, he, so he's, he has been associated acts on, uh, on Wikipedia, uh, LSD, Sia, Nicki Minaj, Noah Cyrus, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, The Weeknd. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so he, he kills it on a lot of the music, um, for nice. this series and, uh, the one, one song that's like my favorite that I it's just like a it's a bop for me is uh yeah it's uh it's called yeah I fucking did it and it like I really enjoy the song a lot it's a cool cool vibe so I'll uh, check it out so that is my flavor of the week nice well because you did your so eloquently in short i was literally gonna talk your ear off for an hour about the about my visual medium but i'll keep it short and sweet so my food uh sarah had this like asian dish going on or i should just say like asian inspired she had some noodles going on she was doing some chicken out there and i was catching whiffs of it during the pod and it smells amazing and so i'm looking forward to eating that i always love when she tries new recipes um so i'll have to give a report on how that was but that's my flavor of the week because i'm very much looking forward to it we've been talking about it for a little while um and then my visual medium so me and sarah watched dune the new i guess part one of two from denny villeneuve i'm not sure how you say his name um but i was blown away i came in like eyes totally closed i knew nothing about the dune universe i knew nothing about i loved it it was epic. It was so good. The scene with the hunter killer where he like steps into the the like light fixture thing mm. and catches it. There are so many great moments. Um, I loved it so much. And it was a breath of fresh air in in a world where I've been just like I, I feel so so jaded with music and or not not music movies and tv where it's just like it's all garbage it all feels the same it all feels like the just like the same idea done multiple times so that movie was fucking awesome if you haven't seen it the new dune denny villeneuve it was fucking amazing timothy chalamet gorgeous uh he killed it he killed (laughs) killed it it he was honestly awesome he was was honestly awesome I, I don't I don't get the hype around him specifically, but other than the fact that he's a phenomenal actor, um, yeah, he, I, he, he did well. He, no, he did really well. I enjoyed that movie as well a lot. Um, Colleen and I watched it a week or two ago. Nice. I think, okay, cool. So you're like fresh then with it too. Yeah, it was. It was it's a really cool concept. There's a lot of 
I, I think the the toughest part for us watching it, which was more of a those are the kinds of movies that I really enjoy. I love Star Wars. I love Lord of the Rings. Like I like these big, cool worlds that are different from like ours that have all these unique aspects and all. And I like, I pick up on some of the intricacies a little more easily. Whereas Colleen watches a lot more, I guess of like typical world movie right. where like the the environment is like our current planet and right like, like filthy casual stuff i got and you it's easy it's easier to understand all the components of it when it's like a, so relatable to what you know so uh-huh. like seeing these things that are far-fetched science fiction futuristic things like that where they're just like creating things that don't exist but like could at some point down right. the line is like outside of her normal realm of like mm, interesting of okay. like it's not something that she t- like conceptualizes as well right um, but like i i think she still uh did enjoy it and everything nice. um, but that that kind of movie and that kind of genre is like right up my alley so i i enjoyed it a lot and i didn't realize it was like the first of multiple movies i thought it was like uh, dune it was like this is it and we got to the end i was like wait what yeah (laughs) i have to wait (laughs) dude watching watching that dude ride the worm and timothy shut i spoiler alert i i won't say anything more but um yeah but yeah it was it was just a good movie uh really really entertaining and then i'll get to my my music so aesop rock the impossible kid came out in 2016 uh, i was recommended to friend of the show andy mr buddha spoon thank you for coming on the show yes. uh we'd love to have you back give us a call um so he recommended the impossible kid and i went back to it i'm a big fan of aesop rock I would say earlier in my hip hop enjoyment um, and going back to that artist was a breath of fresh air. It wasn't an album that I gave time to when it came out. There were a couple songs I liked, but um, yeah, the impossible kid was really good. It's funny. Like it made me laugh. Uh, there's some like uh, feel good moments there. The, the thematic turn from tracks nine to 10 and then it continues on is a really good 45 minutes. It's like a really light play. It's not, it's not terribly long. Um, um, so yeah, I just wanted to shout out the impossible kid on Buddha spoons wreck. It was, it was really good and enjoyable. So that's my flavor of the week. I also have to just on a brief note. Um, I did lish, listen to a Pash or a Pashy that he had recommended. While yeah, was nice. On the pod. Um, it's not quite my style of EDM that I would typically listen to. However, I do enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. a much more like, uh, cinematic sounding thing to me where it has these like big heavy like bait long bass notes like you would hear in like an like a intense like fight scene in a, mm. in a sci-fi movie where it's like these cool. big heavy like da 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 kind of like sounds and it's like it, it it like put me into the mindset of like, this is like some cool fight scene from right. like a movie, like some intense, like 
big dark character versus the 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 good guy that you're like cheering for kind of thing and so uh it was it was like interesting checking that out and all uh so i do have uh, to shout out uh andy for that wreck as well um i checked it out and even though it's not necessarily my my day uh my daily style uh, that I'm going to listen to like to and from work and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. it, it definitely, I, I could, f- I feel like I could find some, some mixes and some playlists to fit it into that would be like, uh, that would suit it well. So nice. that's what's up. So yeah, man, yeah. he's, uh, he's supplying all the music for the show here, but, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, this was, uh, this was a pretty good one, Aaron. Uh, uh, any final thoughts here? Thank you, everyone, uh, again, for listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you coming in and checking us out, listening with us week after week. Uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts. Check us out on YouTube if you want to see our smiling faces um, and Justin's fresh haircut. That's all I got. We do new episodes every Thursday, like you said, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave a comment. We'll try and shout out our favorites on the next episode. Rate us five stars. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and listening. This is another Tall and Short of It podcast. Peace out, everyone. Later.